0: The Game Changer, page 128. The waiting room is packed and it's not pretty. In the corner, a man chucks into a bucket. There's a kid whose arm is bent like a boomerang. An old lady in a wheelchair moaning quietly. The nurse at the desk takes a look at my finger. Long wait today, she says to Killer, who sighs. Maybe we can just go home, I say to Killer. I'll probably be better by tomorrow. I don't want to see a doctor right now. What if they get a whiff of them? Mafia when they see me. And how am I going to keep it from lodi who's staring at my finger like she'd quite like to have a go at resetting it herself? She pulls her iPad out. Killer shakes his head. Needs to be seen too. Could be broken. Which would be season ending. Did you call your parents? Left a message, I say. They had to go to court today for an inquest. I feel bad using the inquest as an excuse, but desperate times and all that. Okay, Killer says, I'll wait. Only thing is, he looks over at the kid with the boomerang arm and his face turns pale. All this blood. I'm not feeling so good. He looks over at the vomiting man. Can I borrow your bucket just in case? Vomiting man passes over his bucket, and before I can warn Killer, He catches a whiff of its contents. Oh, no, Killer says, his face green. If I may interrupt, Elodie says. You can go, Killer. We can stay with Bug. I know, first aid, and I will make sure everything is done correctly. The vomiting guy groans and mutters something we don't understand. Killer looks from Elodie to Ginny who nods. We can stay. The vomiting guy spews all over the floor and Killer closes his eyes. Perhaps you'd be best to wait outside, Elodie says. Killer decides you'll go and sit in the school bus and we settle into the chaos that is the waiting room. I rest my basketball on my lap and think about the team. I can feel Elodie staring at me and I close my eyes, hoping that my injury will put off the Elodie inquis- inquisition for another day. There are five more games, Elodie says. If we, If you win three... You should make the finals. It depends on results from other games. I open my eyes. Elodie has got to work on sports app. Ginny looks over her shoulder at the screen. That would be so cool. You seem to be getting into it Elodie, I tease. Sure you don't want to play. I liked it more than I expected, she says. As a spectator, your injury only reinforces the risks of playing. I have loose joints, that's all, nothing to do with basketball. I show her how I can bend my left thumb back onto my forearm. Impressive, she concedes, but loose joints don't dislocate unless you collide with someone. She has a point. I try again to fix my finger but it's too painful. An old lady sitting next to a stairs transfixed at a quiz showing blaring from a tiny TV in the corner. I want to tell her that it's the trillionth repeat of a show from 1982, but she looks so excited at each twist and turn, I I just don't have the heart. After the second quiz show finishes, the double doors open and the kid with the boomerang arm gets called in. Then it's vomiting man's turn and we're all glad to see the back of him and his bucket. I'm itchy about being here and what bites what bits of me they might get interested in. But my finger throbs a painful beat and I need it fixed to play next week. Finally, a nurse calls my name and we go into a cubicle not much bigger than a toilet. A lady follows us in and tells us her name's Dr Petra and I think, yay, she can fix my finger and we can get out of here, but no. First, she shakes my hand, my injured right hand. Does she even know why I'm here? She doesn't look like a martial arts expert in her hospital greens and glasses, but she looks looks, can deceive. Eventually she notices my grimace and loosens her vice-like grip, only to start moving my injured finger back and forth. Sorry, matey, she says, it's dislocated. But we need x-rays just to make sure there's no fracture before we fix it. She writes out a form and hands it to the nurse. The med students will take a history while you're waiting, okay? Without waiting for an answer, she's out of here, and I have to say I wasn't impressed with her bedside manner. I don't like being called matey by someone who doesn't even know my name or anything about me. I sit on the bed and Elodie and Ginny stand around. Elodie and I get going on a game of crusade, which is pretty engrossing, until three people in white coats appear. One of them steps forward holding a notebook. She introduces herself but she talks so fast I don't catch her name. She asks, would I mind answering some questions and I shrug. I just want my finger fixed. Fast talker takes a deep breath and begins firing questions at me about my family, school, eyesight, hearing, do I have a fever, cough, chest pain, asthma, arthritis, diabetes, cancer. I'm only 14, I say. So that's a no, fast talker asks. She completes her interrogation and then the next student has a turn. Riley has mussed up hair and bitten nails, but at least he asks me what happened on the court. He writes notes as I talk, and I guess this is what it would feel like to be interviewed for TV. So, your own teammate took you out, Riley asks. I nod and he whisper, whistles. Hope he apologised. Unlikely, Alodi says. Then the third white coat steps forward and says, time to examine you. This one's short and nerdy but very thorough, looking into my mouth, my ears, checking my temperature. He gestures to my basketball top. Take this off now. I need to examine your chest. If he's searching for my middle finger, he's looking in all the wrong places. We'll wait outside, Ginny says quickly. Ginny and Elodie moved to outside the cubicle, but I can see their feet under the curtain. Don't be shy now, Fast Talker says. Listen, I don't think this is necessary, I say. I hurt my finger. Why don't we just lift it up a little, Fast Talker says. The three white coats stare at my chest. That's unusual, says one. I put my hand over my breastbone, which peaks in the middle. It's nothing, a family thing. My daddy's exactly the same. I've seen that in Harrison's, whispers Fast Talker, tapping madly on her phone. Look, here it is, a pectus saritarium. The white coats crowd around the phone. Can be associated with connective tissue disorder. Fast Talker reads, check if he's got joint laxity. I'm acutely aware of the two pairs of feet under the curtain and wonder what they can hear. Nerdy boy bends my elbow back and forth. Not sure. I eye oh, I, I roll, nerdy boy. He should he should choose a new career because even Becky knows my joints are bending. I bend my thumb back to my wrist to speed this up. I want out of here. Yes, fast talker says, like she's just scored a goal. Check. Steenberg's sign. Nerdy boy folds my thumb across my palm, makes a fist with my fingers and stares in wonder at my thumb, poking out from under my fingers positive they measure my height over 97 centimeters he's very tall no shit sherlock then they make me stand like a scarecrow and it takes all three of them to measure my wingspan span four centimeters greater than height they stare at me like i'm a nice cut of roast pork in the butcher window and i don't like where this is going not one bit I'd put an end to it only on banking that they're too slow and stupid to make a diagnosis and if I can get away without them realising I have Marfan, maybe my secret will be safe. They mutter and nod and shake their heads and in my mind I grab needles from the trolley behind them and stab them in the eyes. Guys, stop a minute, Riley says. You're making him uncomfortable. They Stop and look at him and then look at me. Feet under the curtains shift and rearrange themselves. You're okay, aren't you, Dougal? Fast talker asks. We just need to uh, check your eyes now and then we can get you off to x-ray. And then get my finger fixed, I nod. Good, nerdy boy says, blinding me with an incredibly bright light. Don't move. We need you to keep still. He and his blinding light get closer and closer to my eyeball and it's like he's zeroing in on my secret. Wow, breathless nerdy boy. He's a fascinoma. I don't know what a fascinoma is, but I don't like the sound of it. The white coats whisper to each other and I hear pectus and arachnosedicillum and put it into Google. And then Nerdy Boy gets grumpy because he can't spell arachnidysolically and ends up on a spider website. Listen, guys, I try, but they're all distracted, searching on their phones. I'm guessing they're racing to be the one who makes a diagnosis. No! My Wi-Fi's down, complaints Nerdy Boy. It's down to Riley and Fast Talker, who scroll and tap obsessively on their phones. Finally, Fast talker turns tri- returns triumphant to the others her eyes shining like she solved a rubik's cube in one in record time do you think she said speaking slowly for perhaps the first time in her life do you think he could have her voice becomes as solemn as a priest marfin listen i say in a whisper and i gesture to them to come closer because I'm trying to talk to them without Elodie and Jenny hearing. I already know I have it, right? So it's no big deal. Well done, you've worked it out. So you, so you, so I was right. It is Marfin, Fast Talker says loudly. Keep it down, I hear. There's no chance that I'll stay on the team if the Marfin secret gets around. Imagine Summer's face when she finds out there's a syndrome lurking. The feet under the curtain fidget. Nerdy boy says, if he's got Marfan, basketball could be dangerous, couldn't it? I hold my breath. The feet under the curtain stop still. I don't know, fast talker says. I think it depends on his aorta. Later guys, Riley says, giving them a look. Aorta and me, we're all over it. A burst aorta is bad, like life-threateningly bad. Your aorta is not to be messed with. I know that basketball dangerous these people don't get it to not play is to be less alive and even Dr. Kind I said basketball was okay so long as it was low-key whatever that means I've had enough of this conversation my alter is fine I've had it checked and I take some medicine no biggie now are you guys done practicing I want to see a real doctor careful what you wish for Petra has my finger in one hand and the X-ray in the other. We're in luck, no fracture. So just a gentle pull and it'll all be better. Elodie and Ginny have returned from the eavesdropping exile and won't look at me. And the three white coats won't look anywhere else. I feel like hiding under the bed. Petra gives my finger a wrench and it hurts, but slips back into place. Wish I'd done it myself hours ago. Can we present our findings now, fast talker asks, bouncing on her feet like a six-year-old, waiting to blow out birthday candles. I stand up. We have to go. Our coach is waiting for us outside. Petra nods. Then a voice over the loudspeaker says, K-Blue, cubicle four, K-Blue, cubicle four. There's a flurry of machines beeping and footsteps clattering around the cubicle. Petra turns to me. You shouldn't be right to go. You should be right to go. Rest that hand for a few days. Got a dash, she says, and she's gone. The white coats look at each other. What about our presentation, fast talk of wines. Oh, I've never seen a recess before, nerdy boy says, his eyes following Petra. I'm sorry for whoever it is that is blue and not breathing, but they couldn't have timed it better. Catch you later, I say to the white coats as we head for the exit.